Hello, I'm George Mason, host of Good God, Conversations That Matter About Faith and Public Life. And today we'll be talking with an ex-Navy SEAL who fought the enemy on the battlefield and won more times than not, but almost didn't succeed in his own battle with depression. He'll be talking about how faith helped him cope and overcome. Welcome to Good God, Conversations That Matter About Faith and Public Life. I'm George Mason, and I'm happy to introduce to you and to welcome to the program today, Stephen Holly. Stephen, glad to have you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I should say at the beginning of this uh, program that uh, uh, although you are the founder, co-founder, and CEO of Carry the Load, and you own your own business, Six Sight, uh, which is uh, a uh, an adventure wear and hunting gear kind of um, uh, company. Uh, we've known each other since you were a kid. Uh, I've been. I, uh, I think it was. I think we determined earlier it was about ten or eleven years old. Well, and you were in Wilshire Baptist Church, where I've been pastor since 1989, and uh, uh, continue to be pastor to your mother and to your sisters and their families as well, and. Uh, I had the privilege of performing your wedding. It's almost uh, 14 years ago, I 14 think. 14 years uh, next yeah. month. That's, it's incredible. So, uh, so we've had a lot of similar experiences. Uh, we've, um, you and I have uh, experienced things, uh, common uh, experiences through being uh, college football players and things of that nature. So we've had a lot through the years to talk about. Uh, but I think uh, this program is called Good God, and we also want to talk about people's faith journeys, uh, what that's been like, uh, not just the things we do for good in the community, but also uh, how that's animated by our own spiritual journey and understanding of faith. And because you grew up at our church, uh, I'm interested to know uh, from, from your earliest recollections of faith uh, over time, what kind of changes have you experienced? Because everyone's faith does change and should change in some way. So uh, I'd like like folks to hear that about your journey. For, you know, for me personally, having uh, having been baptized at uh, like fourth grade, mm -hmm. it's probably the year before you came. Yes, just Bru before I came. Right. Bru Bruce McKeever. That's right, my predecessor. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, growing up in a in a in a Christian household, going to church, um, being involved with the youth group, right. uh, faith, my my faith and spirituality was always an important part of my life. Um, and going away to the military, serving in the SEAL teams, I would tell you, for me personally, my faith journey was. A, it ebbed and flowed, and there were times where it was um, very strong. There were times, other times where it wasn't as strong. I would tell you personally, um, a big step for me was when my wife and I started having kids, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and which <laughs> you never have stopped. It's like you have five now, right? right? We have five. Yeah. Uh -huh. We've figured out how that keeps happening, um, but. Yeah, I think I would argue that for most people, when you have your first child and you figure out, oh my goodness, this little human I'm in charge of now, uh, and the, mm -hmm. you know, the, I think the, the funny joke that my wife and I always used to tell other married people that were expecting is, um, 
you're going to figure out just how much free time you've got right now. Uh, and so when you, right. when, all of a sudden when you have a child and you figure out the amount of time and sacrifice that it takes mm -hmm. to raise a child, um, I think that sacrifice, and when you tie it back to your spirituality, those things are, are one and of the same. Mm -hmm. And um, as we've continued to have kids and now having five and uh, raising our kids in the church, that for me was a big step. I'll tell you, uh, another big step for me was, you know, being in the Navy, coming back into the corporate world, and then really struggling with uh, being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, I always thought that, that, that transition, some of the things that I, issues I was dealing with, I thought could be solved by the amount of money I was making. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, I thought, okay, it must be more money. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. never being fulfilled. Mm -hmm and falling into the trap that many of us fall in you know as we live in our country especially dallas texas it's a very easy bear trap to step in right right but getting caught up in um how you look and how you are living where you live what you drive your job where your kids go to school right falling into that trap was very easy and getting to a point where none of the issues that i was dealing with personally um were getting any better, no matter if all of those other things were taken care of. And getting to a point where I realized that I loved the people I worked with, but I was unfulfilled. And um, I started really looking at the motives behind that. And part of that, a big part of that was spirituality. Part of that was wanting to be able to build my own company. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but I spent a lot of time as I was navigating that decision on making a responsible decision as it related to my family and my faith and making sure I wasn't being selfish as I evaluated right. becoming an entrepreneur. All that to say is it was the entrepreneurial journey for me, which leaving the corporate world, starting my own company, and really from a faith perspective, being in a place, uh, being on a high that I'd never been before. Right. And that was through some spiritual mentors that I had and really looking at my own walk. And then coming to a place with the business where things didn't pan out in the timeline that I thought they were going to uh, pan out and getting really experiencing depression, clinical depression, uh, seeing a psychologist, a psychiatrist, uh, medication, the whole nine being in a place and and coping with clinical depression where going up here spiritually to down here in the the darkest place I've ever been and really someone one of the spiritual mentors said to me one day we used to have breakfast every week and in the midst of the depression he looked at me and he said you know you realize when you're up here spiritually and you're flinging arrows on behalf of God you can't be surprised when the arrows start coming back uh -huh, at you uh -huh. And that, that really, all right, good. Coming from a military background, that really resonated. Of course, it did. But yeah. it also s scared the pants off of me. Well, all right. And you know, uh, uh, sometimes fear is an appropriate motivator too, isn't it? We, yes. We we sometimes talk in a sort of braggadocious way about how we have no fear and we're going to be fearless and all of that, but actually confronting fear and 
attending to it uh, is, is, is part of the key to spirituality because yes, perfect love casts out fear, the scripture says, but you've got to be aware of fear to begin with before you can address it. I would tell you, I never have known fear like I did and have known in the midst of a few bouts of depression and fear so much so that um, it was everything I could do to get out of bed and to get into my vehicle and to drive to the office. Wow. So much so that I remember coming in and I had an employee or two at the time and they're working very, very hard. Um, and I would come in and we all, share, we all shared one room, a few different desks, and I would come in and sit down with my back to them and their back was to me. And I would just peck on the keyboard and pretend like I was responding to email. Wow. But I, the fear was for just me- Just immobilizing. Im completely immobilizing. Completely immobilized. I was so scared. I'd never been in a place before where I had no experience. In, in this business, I had no experience. Uh, I was being asked to make decisions that I didn't know mm. what was right, what was wrong, or at least being able to bounce off somebody. Right. And so that fear of not wanting to uh, make the wrong decision, I literally shut down for. And I think people would be surprised to hear you say, I've never known fear like that, when you were in some of the worst hot spots in the world as a Navy SEAL, in, in the most dangerous places possible. Well, the, the great thing about that situation is the amount of training that happens, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. The amount of training that happens, not only not only you're training individually, more importantly, the amount of training that happens with mm -hmm. 16 or 30 other guys around you. Right. So mm -hmm. you're in a situation that you have prepared for ad nauseum thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And at that point, you're reacting. Right, right. Uh, it's muscle memory and it's, you're with a bunch of guys. Okay, but this really- In, 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 in that situation yep. as an entrepreneur, I was yep. by myself in a situation right. I had never- Okay, so this really is such a crucial point, I think, about faith, right? And, right. and, and spirituality, and that is, it, it, it can only be yours, but it's not a solitary journey. So I think so many people think that everyone's faith is private and everyone's faith is, uh, it is personal, but this is a community activity. I mean, this is absolutely crucial that if we're going to sustain faith over time, we have to do it with others. Yeah, going right. back to Ecclesiastes, right? Yes, right. Mm -hmm. Two is better than one. If one falls down, it's the second one can, can, can pull them up. And that for me, yes. as an entrepreneur, was where I was short-sighted yes. in not having, and I, and I would make the same decision today, but reflecting on it where I really struggled was I didn't have someone else. A from mentor. A, from a business perspective, sitting right. there with me to commiserate. When right. you get kicked in the teeth, you yes. can at least look at each other okay. and go, man, that sucked. Right, right. And so from a faith perspective, being in a place where I felt very isolated, yes, and it took me a while to have the courage to get back up and say, and, and a lot of this comes through a wife who literally looked at me and said, I give you permission to go do this. Not right. only that, but if you lose every dime, 
because I risk every dime we'd ever save. Right, you left a very successful uh, year uh, in commercial real estate, the most successful you had had. I right. had about a, uh, an eight-year career, and the year before I left was a phenomenal year. The problem was everything that I had made and made that year in 2014, I was spinning it as fast <laughs> to try and further this company that I was building. Which we should say six site. Which was six, six site. site. And yes. I had a wife who looked at me and said, you can go do this because you will regret it if you don't. And at the risk of losing our home, our cars, everything else that is quote unquote important, mm -hmm. she looked at me and she said, as long as we have each other and we got a healthy marriage and we got five healthy kids, we'll figure the rest out. Right. right. And that for me was very mm -hmm. uh, liberating. Liberating, yeah. But because now again, you have support, you have a community. Yes. It, but having the courage. So she told me all that, and then the de uh, through a series of events, the depression started. Mm -hmm. And literally, my, I would come home every day, and I would see my kids come home every day after not doing... If I answered one email, it, mm -hmm. was, a, it was a good day. Wow. I didn't answer my phone, unless wow. it was her or a few, maybe wow. three or four other people that mm -hmm. knew what I was dealing with. But I would come home, and I would look at my wife, and I would see these five kids, and everybody's happy and playing, and the guilt of... You just wasted eight hours at work and you right. sent one email yeah. and all these five kids are depending on you. Yes. The guilt that that comes with just right. having the courage to, because of my wife's encouragement to not quit mm -hmm. and her, <laughs> I'll never forget, I'd come home and be in tears and say, I sent one email, one email today and she'd go, you know what, tomorrow I want you to try to send two. Wow. And, and the daily. Incredible the daily grind of climbing out of that. Well, once I sent two, hey, try to send three emails and maybe make one phone call. It was that level of debilitating fear. So I think we're gonna take a break for a moment and talk a little bit about Carry the Load uh, and promote uh, that um, nonprofit of which you are CEO and co-founder. Uh, but when we come back, I wanna talk more about depression okay. and how uh, we understand it from a faith perspective and how you learned to deal with vulnerability. Good God salutes Carry the Load, dedicated to providing active, meaningful ways to honor and celebrate the sacrifices made by our nation's heroes, military, law enforcement, firefighters, rescue personnel, and their families 365 days a year. Stephen, we were talking about depression, and I think a, a lot of people of faith have a hard time accepting that people can get clinically depressed and that that is an actual illness that people experience, a, a kind of challenge that is about chemistry as, as well as uh, circumstances and pressure and stress and all of that. And it's, it's not a, a, a spiritual failing to deal with that, and yet it feels like it to people in depression, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So what, what did you learn about yourself going through this that you could share with people about the experience of depression? Because it's so many people are touched by it in some way or another. So part of my journey in, in the midst of, of not being able to really function mm -hmm. on, on, on any level, um, I remember spending days at my desk when I wasn't pretending to be on email, I would, I would write out prayer. Mm. 
Um, the the <laughs> what I was asking for was God, please tell me what the right decision is here. Continue down this road that could mean financial failure and complete embarrassment to me and my family on this risk that I've taken, or do I, do I keep at it? And, and of course, you know, what I'm looking for and what I'm rationalizing in that place is God's going to say, do this, or he's going to say, do this. Well, right. right? That's not faith. It work that way. Yeah. doesn't work that way. Right. But when you're, when you're in an irrational mind, I, day after day, I was thinking, okay, God's going to tell me today. Right. If I pray long enough, well, what, where, where I came back to was, um, for me, getting out of that place, a large part of that was going, all right, you're not going to give me the answer, but I'm going to have the faith to keep going, and no matter what happens, it's out of my hands. And you're going to provide one way or another. And provide doesn't mean I'm going to get to keep the car and the house and whatever else, right? But we're not going to starve, right. and we're going to figure it out. Right. Um, and slowly coming out of that, um, but you got help to help to come out of it. It wasn't just all of a sudden deciding, right? You bet. It was yeah. it was people that came around me, my wife being among them, some other people that said, "We really believe in what you're trying to do here." Mm -hmm. And whether it was uh, whether it was manpower that I wasn't didn't put on the payroll, or whether it was resources to mm -hmm. continue to uh, get to a point in the business where I could go raise money. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of help, right. and it was when I finally was okay accepting the help. Ah, accepting help, Stephen. It, this it, is something that's so hard for so many people. We isn't can it? we this? can be very prideful, yes. but when I finally said, "Okay, you know what? Right, I'm willing to accept whatever help," because right. initially, when people would offer help, I felt so bad that I'm not going to be able to pay this back, or there you go, this company's going to be gone in six months, right. and the guilt. But when I was finally able to accept help, that's when things really started to turn around. And mm -hmm. I think you mentioned it earlier in Second Corinthians, maybe when Paul's talking about right uh, in in my weakness, I, I am strong. Then I am strong. And 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 this is something that you you write about in in your blog about depression that I think is important, and people can find that on the the six site. Um, uh, yes, I think. And again, website. writing. Um, through our content and social media, mm -hmm. our creative team and our marketing team said, you know, you need to start coming out with a blog weekly, monthly. Mm -hmm. Write whatever you want to write. And right. not, you know, mm -hmm. it just so happened that when I sat on a plane to write the blog that day, it was about, okay, I can keep pretending mm -hmm. that I've got this thing figured out and I've got it all together. And people look at me and carry the load and our business is doing pretty good and five kids and a, a good marriage and think I got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you that that burden of that facade and that mask mm -hmm. is extremely uh, hard to carry. And so me writing that blog was essentially a way to say, I'm not going to, the mask is coming off, right. and I want people to know, a, and again, having friends that have wrestled with depression mm -hmm. and made decisions to end their lives, mm -hmm. and, I, and I just, I kick myself for not writing it sooner. Sure, sure. Hopefully, in, a, in, a, in an effort to let, whether it's guys and gals that served in the military or whether they didn't, mm -hmm. everybody is struggling with something. 
so for me, being very open and honest and transparent and writing about depression and the vulnerability and the, and the, need, the need to ask for help, um, hopefully, if nothing else, someone will read that and go, you know what, I'm not alone, and it's okay to say, I need help. It, I think another misconception about depression is there are these incredibly dark periods that people go through and are diagnosable clinical depression. You get the help you need, you start pulling out, you're able to get some perspective, and then I think people think, okay, I've conquered depression. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm finished with this now, right? I, I made that miscalculation. All right, keep going. Tell us more about my, that. My first bout with depression uh, in 2016 lasted about four and a half months mm -hmm. before I was able to get to a point where, again, I had no category for depression. I would look at people that committed suicide or right. talked about depression, and I, I selfishly I thought, how could you do that? Right. In the midst of depression, uh, that decision made sense. Not something that I was mm -hmm. uh, willing to do, but something I thought about and thought, you know what, in the, in the midst of this, that irrationality, that is a... The world will be better without me. Uh, other people won't be as burdened by my... You, you know, bet. All those sorts of things. And so um, I came out of it, and then in 2017, I went through it again. But this time, I, it, it, instead of lasting four, four and a half months, it lasted almost nine months. Wow. Mm. And uh, I made the miscalculation coming out of it the first time, I don't need this medication anymore. Mm -hmm. I've... Mm -hmm. That's in the rearview mirror. Right. Um, and then it happened again, and I went back to the psychologist regularly. The psychiatrist went back on the medication, mm -hmm. and it took me a lot longer to, to climb out. But where, at least now, and again, I'm not arrogant enough to think that it's never going to happen again, mm -hmm. but going into it with both eyes wide open, right. it's having been in that spot. I at least know what it looks like and feels like and know that I've come out of it twice. So to, to just help people a little bit to deal with how does their faith help them to address uh, their, their depression if they find themselves in this place? Uh, you, you mentioned that there's not a magical sort of prayer that God doesn't just come in and do something, but in fact, God actually works through doctors and medicine and family members and support groups and sponsors and all these sorts of things. When you think faith, sometimes people think it's all black an immediate white. black and white thing, but it's it's all these ways that God gives us to to, to find our, our way through, right. uh, not around. You're exactly right. And whether it's all those things that you mentioned and Again, it's the willingness to say, "Okay, I can't do this on my own." Right. And I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, mm -hmm. but I'm going to go throughout this day, having faith that you're sitting right here with me, and right. whatever comes, you're sitting here. Right. And it, it, again, I had another a really good friend of mine, another mentor on several different levels, who had battled depression, said to me one day when I was evaluating medication and this, that, and the other, he said, just, just realize there's no magic pill. Mm -hmm. It's not like you start taking this and tomorrow. Right. He said, the best analogy I can give you is you're, you're four weeks from now, you're going to wake up and you're going to reflect back on the last four weeks and you're going, you know what? 
I don't feel quite as bad as I did a month ago. Uh-huh. And it'll be little moments like that where one day you'll look up okay. and go, I feel pretty good. Okay. I think when you boil it all down, it's the willingness to ask for help, one, mm-hmm. whether that's mm-hmm. most certainly God, and having the faith to let go. Let go. Okay. Right? Take that's, your hands off the wheel. That's a scary place to be, but let go mm-hmm. and let those in your life, whether it's your doctors, your family, your mentors, mm-hmm. people in your business. And I could, I could talk for an hour over the last two years about all those aspects, in addition to things that happened in my business mm-hmm. that were inexplainable. So in other words, what happens is you learn to wake up to the gifts of life that start coming to you. When you're in depression, there's this sense of blackness, right? This sense that nothing good is happening, that the world is sinking and you're sinking with it. And maybe other people are experiencing something different, but not for you. But, but then you start to, to be able to wake up to, uh, these are blessings. There are good things happening and you, you, you start living into them, huh? Again, it is, um it is taking the the little moments of, again, I, I for me in the midst of depression, sleep was really my only reprieve, because uh-huh. it, it was when my mind wasn't being irrational. Right. So getting up in the morning was extremely hard, uh-huh. and staying awake at night. Like when I got home from work, hang out with the kids, I wanted to go to bed. Wow. Because I wanted to shut this off. Wow. So getting out of bed in the morning and going sitting down with the kids before school and actually enjoying having mm-hmm. breakfast. And, and again, I hate, I hated, and I hate to say that, but I hated driving my old two, two, two kids to school because I was so scared because right after that, I had to drive to work. Uh. I loved driving them to school. I hated the anticipation of Mm-hmm. You're done stalling. You got to yes. get to the office. Yes. And I, I felt so guilty that my oldest two kids picked up on that. Right, right. And they did, huh? Yeah. Yes, they did. Uh-huh. And so um, all that's to say is it's the willingness to see the little bitty blessings. And at, at a very foundational level, it's you can't give up and you got to continue to fight. You have to continue to fight. So you're fighting uh, and... In, in your business, you, you, you came up with this hashtag. Right. Hashtag find it. Right. So say how that was a trigger for you to help you uh, find it. What does hashtag find so it mean? So very early on in this business, again, uh, hunting, outdoor, kind of adventure, apparel and gear. And for whatever reason, one of uh, our creative director came up with this hashtag of find it. And it was best I can equated to is the same as Nike's just do it, right? Okay. Find it. But we couldn't really articulate anything else around it, but it really resonated with me. This past year, I was in my psychologist's office and she was talking about the brain seeking system Mm -hmm. and our natural antidepressant when Mm -hmm. we are out exploring, seeking, trying to find. Uh There you go. Learning, bettering our minds. Right venturing into the unknown okay and she said that is your natural antidepressant that's your mm-hmm. brain's way mm-hmm. of battling right the mundane right or depression and she literally said you you have to continue to find it or keep mm-hmm. that's what she said and the light bulb went off and and i thought that's why we chose that hashtag right 
again, it it's, has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people, but for me, in the midst of depression, that's, that's why it was chosen. Well, let's connect it to faith. And, you know, the idea of hashtag find it to me suggests that there is a certain adventure in the life of faith that is filled with hope and future. And when you're in depression, you can't see that light. You can't, you can't see beyond the moment. And faith is always about what's next, isn't it? It is. And, and what I think is so hard, it was hard for me, when you let go of the steering wheel mm -hmm. and you sit back and go, all right, I don't know what today's going to bring. There's, there's, there's a lot of fear in doing that because yes. you're not in control anymore. But when the blessing, and again, it's not all going to be blessings. There, the, the challenges are going to happen. The heartache's going to happen. But when the blessings happen, that come out of left field mm -hmm. and that happens with regularity mm -hmm. and in the midst of your faith and growing stronger and trusting in, uh, trusting in God, that, that for me is the adventure. Beautiful. To, Beautiful. To put it very bluntly, the adventure of not being able to predict what is going to happen that day. Uh, that's but gonna, trusting God for by, it. But trusting God for it, that's not only going to bless your life, but it is going to bless others' lives as well. Beautiful. That's the adventure of faith. Terrific. And it all starts when you go, all right, I'm, well, Stephen, I'm not driving. Thank you for the vulnerability, for the honesty. I think many people might uh, look to a person like you with a, a resume as a SEAL, as a, an athlete, a, a, an entrepreneur, and, 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 and identify um, with your weakness as much as your strength. And you've been uh, transparent with us about that, and we thank you for sharing, and I know it's healing for many. Thank you for having me. God bless you, friend. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Our guest coordinator and communications director is Jay Pritchard. Here's grateful appreciation to Evolve Technology for location production facilities. Evolve Technology for home audio, video, and lighting design. Enjoy more Think Less with Evolve. See their great work at EvolveDallas.com. Thanks to Wendy Crispin Caterer for guest parking accommodations. Good God. Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2018 by Faith Commons. Good God salutes Carry the Load, dedicated to providing active, meaningful ways to honor and celebrate the sacrifices made by our nation's heroes, military, law enforcement, firefighters, rescue personnel, and their families 365 days a year.